Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your hosts today are me, John Clifton, alongside Jake Sparks, who heads up Nuco's Cyber Division. And we're delighted today to be joined by Ruben Braham, a leader in global cyber marketing, helping vendors position themselves to cut through the noise. Ruben spent nearly a decade at Microsoft, plus five years in a senior role at Checkpoint. For AI-driven access management business SailPoint, he oversaw worldwide partner and field marketing, and he's currently VP of marketing for cyber threat intelligence business, CyberInt. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jake. Happy to be here. Very good to see you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So to to get um, all of our kind of stories started, I guess the, the first thing we like to do is kind of go go back to the beginning of someone's journey. And, and so I wanted to know how and why you got into the cyber industry. Okay, so that is a very interesting uh, question because you know um, I always try to explore new things and try to you know, be developing new fields of interest. And uh, in my career after Microsoft, I did a career in the telco business. So at Microsoft, I was in the, you know, enterprise space, the mid-market space, you know, talking enterprise space, partner space. And then I felt like, you know, when I came back, I, I was uh, in, in, in France also for a bit of time and I came back to Israel. And then I said, you know, I need to ch- kind of do something new. And I went into the telco space. And um, at that time, the telco was still, you know, a, a money-making business until it mm. became a, a, a commodity. And around 2011, I was looking at, you know, what would be a next career development? You know, I like being there, done that. What would keep me motivated and keep pushing me? And that's the time when I said, you know, cybersecurity, it seems to be the place where, it, where one should be because that, um, you know, the internet is opening out, digital transformation is starting to take in, you know, people are starting to talk about it. So why not, you know, uh, try to enter the cybersecurity space and to, move my marketing efforts into the cybersecurity business. And that's where I took a kind of change. And I've been there now almost 10 years, actually 10 years now. So it's uh, mm. uh, actually even more than 10 years. If I look at the June when I started uh, in 2011 and at Checkpoint, and then now it's 10 years past. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Very good. Very good. Well, um, let's learn a, a little bit more about your past, passing over to Jake. Excellent, excellent. Yes, thank you very much. And interesting to, that you took the decision so kind of so early uh, to move into cyber. Um, what what do you feel? Uh, so looking back, what do you feel have been your biggest influences uh, in your career? So one, I can say my biggest influence is uh, kind of having a very stable family. My wife, I think she has been my biggest mm. influence. Uh, she allowed me to kind of uh, go out in the world and explore everything that I can do and take on, travel a lot, you know, start to develop fields of interest that I, uh, you know, wouldn't have dreamt of and, uh, mm. and kind of stay home and be the rock. So I think that's very important on a personal note. Like if, if that wasn't there, I think it would be very difficult because 
Um, for me, it was, uh, you know, um, doing a global role was always something at the very be beginning of my career of being, exploring new cultures, exploring new things and kind of aligning it to both the sales and marketing kind of and a business development role. So I was, I felt equally good in all three kind of fields. And then mm. um, uh, I, I said, you know, to myself, if I want to do something, I don't want to be stuck to a small, to one country. I want to be in a country, but I want to be global. So, mm. so that's where I started on. And, and that was a very big motivating factor for me to kind of uh, go on and push myself. And uh, um, when I started off, like at the university, I didn't do any engineering degree. Okay, I did, uh, I, I did a sociology, uh, you know, degree. And, I, and then I decided to take, um, I thought high tech was the place where I wanted to be. So mm. I saw a job opening. And it was um, at one of the uh, one of the leading uh, Israeli software companies called Formula way way back right at the start of my my career and and they needed a, a, a statistical analyst to help with SPSS which they had they were representing and so I started working as an analyst a consultant and 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 mm. I was kind of I felt very comfortable talking to people being with people explaining things walking them through a journey and then I said okay that's kind of where. I want to be, I want to expand it. I want to move forward and talk about different stories, not only one story or to one company. And, and that has been kind of part of what motivated me to really move and to take more global roles on myself. Hmm. Very interesting. Interesting to hear how you're kind of the paths forked uh, and that bedrock of, uh, of your family helping you to, to, uh, to achieve what you have. Um, what, what do you feel has been your greatest achievement? So for me, my, my, my achievement is really uh, building and establishing myself as somebody who has knowledge about uh, global markets. He knows mm. how to, to, to develop, uh, you know, marketing strategies. And if I look at, at myself, you know, I'm, it's always a learning process. There are new things coming into the game. You know, I'm, I lost uh, a lot of my hairs. Yes. Yeah? So it's, uh, I, I'm not a, a new kid on the block, but there are many mm. new things to be to. So my curiosity keeps me le to learn and to keep, you know, developing new things. Mm. There are, you know, in the marketing field, account-based marketing strategies, when you want to go to the B2B or to the, uh, the SaaS uh, kind of, uh, you want to develop a SaaS market in the B2B industry. So um, I think my, my accomplishment is really to take something and to go to market with it and to, to kind of make it successful. And that's where I feel is my key benefit. When I come to a place where everything's rocking and everything's fine, it doesn't make me comfortable. I like to take <laughs> things and, and, and move them forward. You know, if they are, if they are like, you know, semi-broken, it's okay. If they are totally mm. broken, it's even better because that, <laughs> that excites. And, and otherwise, you know, you, you come to a place where everything is smooth sailing. You don't feel, I don't know, at least I don't feel motivated. Mm. So, and, and then after some time, you know, you develop it, you, you feel that you reached your, uh, your goals. So for me, a goal is like, an internal goal for myself is really to scale up, to, to get, to, to make a business bigger for, for the company I work to. I try to mm. be, actually, one thing I really believe in is to really be loyal to the person who pays my salary. Because I think that, you know, without taking any names of any company, I think that that's, that's something that, you know, um, I was part of, a sort of, of what I always felt like, you know, somebody who's paying my salary, let's focus, let's dedicate myself to it and, and build what I came to do. And if I have mm. done it successfully, I think I have a lot of people that uh, follow me around and are my friends from my past jobs. I think that's, that's one of my greatest achievements, that even my teams 
a part of what are WhatsApp groups, right? They are like mm. my 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 extended family. You know, we we meet also in certain occasions. Like at, um, when I was at Checkpoint, my ex marketing team. You know, we have a solid group. We we do discussions. We talk about the Euro football game. We talk about wine. We talk about everything, mm. and we talk about uh, things that if anybody needs help and advice. So it's yeah. Uh, it's 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 for me. It's also managing people and allowing them to be part of who I what I believe in, and it's it's really like you know being human and understanding mm. and relating to to so so that's uh, another one of my achievements that I think that I feel good with that uh, mm. I feel myself that uh, I am a capable manager I guess mm. <laughs> and and I, a leader. And I try to always, uh, you know, lead by example. That has been a key of my philosophy. I don't believe, you know, a lot in, uh, it may be part of the Israeli culture also, but I don't believe in, you know, letting people, you know, um, uh, say that, okay, you know, go do it. And, 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 you know, you don't yourself have the experience to do it. So if I don't understand what are the challenges of the job that my task, that my team is doing or looking to do or to, to explore, I can't really relate to their pains. I can't really mm. understand. So if I need to fix something, if I need to build something, I need to understand the mechanics behind it. And, and that's kind of where I, I try to go deep. I don't, it's not because I want to micromanage. I never think that micromanagement is the right policy. No. But, but I think that the, the main um, goal is to understand how I can you know, help my team better and perform better as a manager and deliver the results I came to deliver. So that's, and always I believe in delivering. I think that's another part of it. I deliver, then move on to my next dream. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And that, that human element has never been more important than during the, the, the challenges that we've all been facing globally with, with, with COVID and things like that. Interesting, interesting. Thank you. Um, and it's been quite a last 10 years. Um, for, certainly for the cyber industry. Looking back over that past decade, what do you feel has contributed to Israel's phenomenal global success as a cyber leader? I think that uh, the success comes from the curiosity to develop new things and to do things differently, to not take you know, something for granted as an answer. So even if there is a solution, let's look at what is the what can be an alternate solution. What can be a, a, a more a faster and a quicker and a more interesting solution? I think that curiosity to develop, to change, to kind of you know ignite comes also back from a bit from the uh, sources. Uh, my my son is now in in one of the key intelligence units also in the army. Right. Without, without, without him telling me what, but I know that uh, you know he just got some of his ranks yesterday, and uh, I couldn't attend the ceremony, but at least um, I was busy on calls. But uh, mm. um, basically, you know, the the the, the thing that I saw that uh, that uh, is you you challenge everything. You don't take anything for granted because mm. if you take something for granted, then you know you accept the solution and you don't want to bring change, and that's what is kind of uh, ignited the cyber industry. That's mm. thinking of everything that can bring a change and do something different. Mm. And that spread like wildfire. Lots of startups have kind of, um, especially in cybersecurity, I think that's where it uh, kind of comes into play. But in all technology also fields that you see in the high-tech industry in general, there is um, a very big, uh, I would say, uh, urge to bring change and to do things differently. So yeah. that's, that's what I, that's, I think one of the core reasons why uh, you know you see a lot of uh, new things develop 
Mm, fascinating, fascinating. Yes, that that entrepreneurialism and that that constant innovation, and, and combined, of course, with the with some some of the training that people get at a very young age is yeah. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Um, I, I, I think on. one more point uh, just to add is like being self-critical, right? And being critical mm. about not taking, you know, people here are very candid and very open. So you can sit with, you know, there is no ranks if it's, uh, you know, I'm a VP or somebody is, uh, he can be very critical and basically, you know, you, you have to, because his mind is intelligent and curious and he can be critical and you need to find the right answers to, to satisfy his, his, his critical uh, mind, right? So that's where people, because you get challenged, you keep challenging yourself. I think that just keeps the, the whole ball going rolling and not to stay at, at a steady state because, you know, many times you, you think that the steady state is good. So that's not good. It's not the normal. Yeah. You have to be a bit disruptive here. Absolutely. And certainly the, um, the cyber criminals aren't going at a steady pace either. So it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> not necessary. really not really mm. that they, they always you know there are more and more curious minds of uh, hackers that are keeping you know and and the ages you know they can be from from 14 or 12 to any age you go there mm. and with different motivations right cyber cyber hackers and criminals some may have very i would say a, a holistic and uh, and 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 beliefs that are more not not uh, economical based or whatever or you know uh, based on geopolitical reasoning, right? But uh, basically, these hackers are, you know, always trying to find a way in. And in the world of the internet, where things are open and you know, digital transformation, you will always find one weak link. And that's yeah. one weak link is, I, you know, nothing is Fort Knox. Okay, whatever they say, mm. Fort Knox. But in the cyberspace, there is no Fort Knox. There right. is a way in always. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. That's very interesting. Um, so we've heard about um, about the past and your career and progression and, and what's brought you to where you are today, uh, which brings us to the present from uh, from John. All right. So um, just a couple of ones here. I mean, the, the, the cyber market has you know it, it, it seemingly gets ever more complex, but also competitive, um, and it, it makes you know choices for. Uh, both individuals, but organisations in particular, really, really difficult. Um, you're putting your kind of marketing hat on. What, what are the best ways in which vendors can kind of kind of prove their worth or, or prove their value? Yeah, as putting on a, a marketing and a vendor hat, I, I would say basically at the end of the day, one is to relate to the customer, to understand his pain points, to to understand what what is what is his key uh, you know his key problems his key issues what is he trying to deal with and I think a lot of vendors just try to push products and try to you know uh, uh, promote products without understanding if they can really be a consultant to their customer and be his trusted advisor because at the end of the day I, I, as I said there is not one solution in the cyberspace and and if somebody comes and says I'm an all-in-one I have this mm. and that and that. It's it's never an all-in-one situation that will help any customer. So I don't think, one, don't lie to the customer. Be very open mm. with him. Tell him exactly what you can help him with and what you can support with him and be there with him to kind of walk him through his, even, even times when he's attacked because it's not, you know, uh, if you will be attacked, it's when you will be attacked at the end of the day in the cyberspace. 
putting it down. Some may make the headlines, some don't make the headlines, right? So if it's a ransomware hit here or if it's some other kind of attack, I would say, you know, walk the path, sit to the customer, talk, talk him in, you know, take him in a pen and be with him because at the end of the day, if you are not there in, in the time of his need, he will, he will really mm. not appreciate it. So a consultative approach, understanding the pain points and really trying to relate and help him out uh, all the way, I think is the best approach. Uh, you know, this is really a no bullshit and not a marketing spiel here, but I think yeah. it's really the, the way I would see it's the best to approach. Yeah, great advice, great advice. Right. And, and kind of touching on ransomware, the, the, the recent um, Kaseya incident is being called, you know, the biggest ransomware attack. On, on record, um, uh, you know, in in your opinion, what what's so different about this particular one, and 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 how has it managed to 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 harness such a reputation? Yeah, I, I think that what has happened here in this case, uh, the Kaseya attack is uh, done by uh, probably most probably by Revil, you know, one of uh, those uh, that are prevalent uh, ransomware groups, right? And you don't. Don't know the origin, but you can say it probably coming from somewhere in in, in probably maybe Russia also. That's the so so the the difference here is that uh, you got into an MSP right that that supported thousands of customers right and uh, and 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 a backdoor from there into all those customers really was uh, like you know you had as I said it takes just one loophole to to penetrate right so once they had an inroad into into the MSP that's Kaseya and kind of from there into mm. their uh, you know, uh, customers. And some of them in Europe, I believe that there is a Swedish, at least it was in the news, a Swedish co-op group or something that had 200 plus uh, stores uh, in there in, in the different mm. places. In, and and many, many companies that came to us that we know that were kind of attacked. And uh, basically um, the difference here is that uh, this back, the back door had an open door into many, many more enterprises, which usually uh, the ransomware attacks are much more limited. You know, you, you target something very specifically, right? You try, mm. to, you try to target, you try to target because it's, uh, it's mainly spear phishing attacks, you know, when you try to ransomware. So they may try to hit you, Jake, or may try to join with a lot of, mm. you know, a spear phishing attacks. And then if you fall prey into one of them, basically you kind of get your organization to risk. But here, the back door was into somebody that was supporting hundreds of customers and working with hundreds of customers. And basically that got them entry points into uh, those customers. And that's why it was a very big impact on this attack. Yeah, such a, yeah, such a, such a huge thing to, uh, to happen. And uh, that kind of moves us nicely on to, uh, to some more questions around the future. So, uh, so passing back to Jake. Excellent, excellent, thank you. Uh, what are the marketing trends that you're starting to see emerge uh, within cyber? So one, I think that, uh, you know, uh, anything that we can talk about marketing trends now is actually a bit different than what I would tell you 18 months ago or 19 months ago before we had this COVID outbreak, right? Because mm. then it was a different perspective and things were a bit different when we could travel, meet people face to face and and be present with. Um, for me, I think that uh, what I see is one, there is, uh, the world is now ready for a more hybrid mode of business, okay? So our marketing needs need to focus on, you know, uh, gearing up and being part of that virtual, even the conversation we are doing over Zoom now, right? 
So it's uh, something that you that that's now more acceptable even for business meetings with uh, CISO, CIO, etc. So so one will have to be ready for a, a a very very much more hybrid business. It will be some physical face to face and and a lot virtual. I guess that will be the trend. And basically starting to understand that people, uh, you know, are going to be uh, hit by a lot of virtual requests, right? So. A vendor A wants uh, to have a virtual briefing. Vendor B wants to have a virtual briefing. Mm. So a lot of these virtual things may, may start to take its toll on our customers. So I would say the best way, uh, the best uh, uh, you know, things that I see here is really creating thought leadership content that you can circulate to your uh, target audience, right? Build more blogs, build more thought leadership content to educate your market, your, your customers for them to be ready to understand that you are key to their their heart and their mind. You understand their pain points. You're trying to help them and mm -hmm. become that consultant. So for me, the marketing approach should be being a consultative approach. As I already mentioned, that that's, I think, a, doing very targeted research and an account-based marketing approach. So, you know, building up, very focused, not going a shotgun approach and trying to hit everybody and basically trying to build a, lot, a very good content library and the right content to get them through the different ways to educate and, and keep educating. And I think that that will have its impact. Even in the, in the six months that I'm here right now, my first uh, task I told my team was to let's build up our content library because I really believe that that's, mm. you know, people are, the SEO engine is working. People start to, to, to look at your content and be engaged. And, and then, they start to understand that you're a player in the market and you start to differentiate yourself from the other players, I guess, because you mm -hmm. just asking for a virtual meeting or doing a virtual roundtable starts to have its uh, tolls, right? People are getting mm -hmm. tired of, of virtuals. They, they prefer to read a good piece of content, you know, online, explore it and, and, and then, you know, be educated. And then even myself, when I, and I guess for you guys, it's probably the same, when I want to take on some marketing software, like um, any marketing automation or any software, I will explore it like, you know, 70, 80% of the journey is done before even I engage with the vendor, right? Mm. So, right. so, so, so I, the more content you give me, the more I know about, you know, uh, what, what services you offer and how you can help me better. And you, you show me, you, you guide me with eBooks and with, you know, like 101s and whatever kind of uh, literature. I, the more happy I am. Excellent, excellent. Very helpful, very helpful. Thank you, good advice. And and how is the partner landscape? So, you know, MSSPs and, and system integrators driving change? I think that, uh, you know, the MSSPs and system integrators, the partner ecosystem itself is a key part of, uh, you know, every, I would say, a technology business. I think that... Uh, you have a lot of skilled partners that are very good in deploying and servicing and giving support to their customer chain. And I think that uh, that, that you know, vendors should tap into that, vendors should explore that. I think that you can't be you know, uh, doing everything yourself and, and mm. you should look at the partner as an extended arm. And partners that, that feel that you have a, a, a service that's value for them, they will promote it, they will bring it to their customer base I am a firm believer and a big believer always in the partner community, especially with the MSSP, the managed services, because a lot of mm. the, the mid-market and the smaller market don't have the bandwidth to really take on 
these plethora of services that are coming to them. You know, you look at this and there are so many services in any stream you go, right? If you look at, uh, you know, just conferencing, you have Teams, you have Zoom, I can give you another five, you have Google Meet. Mm. What would you take on, right? Let's, let's pose that as a question. What is better than what? You know, I took mm. that as a very simplistic, uh, you know, uh, problem. But when you look at the different things, what firewall should I implement? What changes, what rules? When you look at the mid-market, they want to move at the speed of light, right? You don't want to stop mm. them. The, the MSPs can really help here and take on that as a managed service and bring and the solution to, you know, a whole complete solution or partially complete solution to their customer. And basically, that's where they become kind of also more the consultant of their customer. Mm. Interesting. Thank you. Thank you. I'm following on from that. How do you see the cybersecurity industry evolving over the next decade? <laughs> I, I, I may be biased, but I don't think I'm going to leave the industry soon. So, <laughs> so I can tell you that I, I, I think that as more as we scale up and the more you know, gigabytes of data and the cloud expansion and transformation is happening, the cybersecurity space is going to be big, even bigger, right? It's, uh, mm. a, you have more, more applications that are open to the cloud, more remote working. Look at this COVID situation, like 18 months ago, you wouldn't think that 70 or 80% of your workforce is going to work remote for a long time, right? This has a lot of security implications. So the, the world has to get, you know, a, ready for that in a better manner. You know, there are lots of issues that still are not solved in this remote working space. Everybody's trying to scramble for that. Um, the hackers are getting more engineers to find ways to get in. So I think that, uh, you know, this space is going to be the hottest space in the next uh, uh, you know, uh, 10 years, maybe, maybe taking us to the moon would be another place. But uh, for me, cybersecurity is really going to be uh, booming in the next uh, at least 10 to 20 years, as maybe more, but I just can't be too prophetic here. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting, it's an exciting and a challenging and a challenging time. It'd be interesting to see how it develops. Thank you. Um, so really good to get your insight on uh, on things past present and future uh our next section is something i think we agree is is ever more important and um, it's good to see it's ever being more talked about and that's diversity over to john thank you so i, I think we all agree ruben you know in enhancing and improving diversity and inclusion is is something that if it's not top of people's agendas it it, it should be um so a couple of kind of questions you know, the, the, the technology industry generally suffers, you know, certainly from a um, both from a an ethnicity perspective and from a gender uh, perspective in in particular. Um, are there any um, areas or ways in which you you think there would be some you know, some simple solutions for companies who are wanting to improve their, their diversity to to embark on? I think one that, uh, you know, we, uh, if it's uh, countries need to take more policies to involve more, you know, women and more, you know, gender, because when you talk about gender, it's basically a lot of male based kind of uh, developers. And, yeah. but, but, but I think that today, at least if I look at Israel, I think it's very open, you know, women go to the army as men go to the army, right? They, they, they go to technology units. You know, if I look at uh, technology units, it's almost 50-50, right? So I think that it, there is some, uh, and when you go to university today, there's more and more people that are taking on technology, uh, you know, a, a direction of studies. 
if it's an analyst or if it's doing QA or doing any kind of other stuff, not only development, pure development. So I think that, uh, you know, structurally, the, the government should really incentivize it at the university level or people at the high school level to educate them about the positive impact of technology and, and why they should take on. And, and people, I think there is, people are scared of technology of, you know, looking at, you know, when there is a, I think there is a feeling that, you know, to be a developer, you have to really be top in maths, top in physics and top in, but it's not true. I can guarantee you there is no such, uh, uh, you know, a hundred percent. You have to be good at that, but there are equally other fields here in the technology space that you don't need. You can be very creative. And I think it should come like a policy. So the more, uh, for me, companies should build, a, you know, if they are big companies, I would say build universities that allow, you know, a lot more uh, uh, people, ethnicity and a lot more, you know, uh, women to enter into those and to be part of that and encourage them. And I think that also, you know, some countries are, are pushing for equal wage between uh, genders, etc. I would definitely support <clears throat> that. I think that at the end of the day, we need to motivate people to not be, you know, locked because I think there is a culture thing that it's it's more a male developed or whatever kind of, you know, a, a domain, but it's not true. I can guarantee you the company I work, we have like 40% women that are analysts here. So that's, right. that's like, you know, that's like, you know, almost, mm -hmm. almost one out of one is like an, it's, 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 it's a lady here, right? So it's not, uh, a, and, and, and they are so talented that you don't feel that it's, that it's not so, I think you need to open the doors. You need to educate uh, in a good manner. For me, I think that um, uh, big companies and leaders should really push for, you know, like you push for, uh, you know, vaccinating everybody in, in Africa, getting them against malaria and all those, like people like the big leaders in the, in like the Bill Gates, et cetera. I think part of this is should to really to be universities that will mm. help and will, will really promote, you know, uh, people to get, especially women and uh, ethnic uh, groups to really get more, a part of uh, the the education and not feel uh, that it's that it's a showstopper i think that's where it's if we can break this barrier you know it's a showstopper i can tell you for an example in in israel okay i'll give you an example from israel we have a lot of religious people that are not really going into technology but there are many groups of philanthropists that have now started building you know what uh, educating this um, religious uh, sector and people are starting to become skilled developers and, and they start to enter the job market because in some way, some of the very religious people don't enter the job market at all, right? So they go and, and they stick with religion and they continue their, uh, you know, a belief in religion and being uh, work and, and, con and, and committing themselves to religion. But, you know, some of the philanthropists that I, that I know have invested are building, you know, kind of uh, education around it and then getting them jobs into into the market. And I think that that starts to show it's not a, it's not a one day solution. Okay. It's a process. Mm, yeah. And I think that here it's political leaders, it's business leaders that need to take the ownership and to drive this change. And if we have this change, we'll have this in, in maybe in 10, 15 years from now, we'll really have a big change in, yeah. in the market. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. Great. Um, some great advice and some great thoughts there. Really appreciate it. Um, so one of the other things that we that we love to do on the podcast is to uh, learn a bit more about our guests outside of work. So passing uh, passing back to Jake. 
Uh, excellent. Yeah, it'd be great to learn a bit more about you uh, outside of work. So this is a, a quick fire round um, okay. uh, and just some, some kind of a question and answer section. Uh, so first question is, have you triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? <laughs> I think I've triumphed in lockdown. Do you want an answer why? Uh, um, I'll tell you. Sorry, please, go on. I, um, personally, I think that in, in lockdown, it gave me more time to be with my family and to spend a bit more my weekends were normal weekends, uh, which, I, which I lost them for many years. And yeah. I almost didn't, I didn't see my family for many years. And uh, it was uh, because I was on the road all the time. And I think uh, uh, personally, I feel much, much better with this uh, uh, lockdown. So, yeah, I, not, not with the disease and it's, you know, with, the, with, the, with, with what happened, it's not good. You know, we all know that, but of course. it is part. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. I found the same thing. I know John has as well. Become closer to our families during this time. Um, uh, so one with a quick fire round. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Actually, I would live in Israel. I would. I, I really love the climate. I like the culture. I like the openness. I like, you know, the, we are very warm people, right? We, 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 we talk a lot. We are animated. We shout. We, we, we kind of argue, but we hug each other after that also. So, uh, you know, it's part, you have the beaches, you have the sea, you have the sun all the time almost. So, mm. uh, so I, I don't know, but, but on a different note, if I was to change my place, I would go somewhere like into the, 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 the Tuscany place in Italy, kind of, if I was supposed so that would be my, my option. Okay. Somewhere nice yeah. and kind of uh, quiet. Excellent. Excellent. That's good to hear. Thank you. And what was the last book that you read? Oh, <laughs> the last book that I read is, uh, been some time. So it was uh, by Mark McLean, our, uh, the CEO of Cellpoint, and uh, I can share it with you. Uh, so that was kind of, he has, he has a very good philosophy on, you know, how management should be and how the company culture should be. And I think he's one of the, the, the one of the greatest leaders that I ever met. So kind of, uh, um, that was one of my last books. But it's Interesting. been some time. I'll look it up. Thank you. Uh, mountain Peaks or Bright White Beach? Right, white beach for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fair, thank you. Uh, city or country? I think you touched on this earlier. City or country? Um, definitely uh, city, but I like country. You know, at, 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 when I retire, it will be country. Okay, so it's mm. uh, it's it's for now. It's city, definitely city. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a city person, but I'm feeling the draw of the country. I think we all are with with what's happened uh, recently. Cinema or theatre? Uh, definitely theater. I like uh, it to be more live and more animated and more engaging and, and see talents. Definitely. Hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, topical one, this soccer or tennis? Uh, soccer, football, soccer. That's, that's part of, uh, you know, my life. So I love it. It's, uh, <laughs> We all hate football now in England. So. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. So it's, uh... <laughs> no, we don't really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> would you rather ride a bike, ride a horse, or drive a car? Ride a bike any day. Thank you. Uh, and how do you like to relax? So for me, I have several uh, kind of methods of relaxation. I really like uh, classical music. So I sometimes lock myself out it, with my headphone and kind of mm. put on. But I love all kinds of music. So for me, it's, uh, you know, if it, it can range from classical to rock. Okay. So all the, the whole range. Uh, so actually music is uh, part of, you know, uh, music and uh, kind of just uh, 
letting my mind free, you know, yeah. and, and kind of imagining things and not, you know, really being uh, bogged down to the daily work. So it um, gives me some time to free myself. It's a great escape, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and to finish, Apple or Microsoft? <laughs> That's a difficult <laughs> question. Uh, uh, being an ex-Microsoft person, but mm. I would definitely say I love Apple. I'm actually very uh, into Apple, so uh, you know I use the gadgets all the time. And uh, but I think both companies have equally good things that are going on. So. That's Fantastic. being the politically correct answer. Diplomatic, now, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, Apple, definitely Apple for me on no. the devices. No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, great to get more insight on you. Thank you so much. And just passing over to John for the final question. Thank you, Jake. So uh, so we ask all of our guests the same final question, Ruben. Um, and it's, uh, it's hopefully a nice, simple one. Um, what one bit of advice would you give to someone entering the cyber industry? So... Um, that what I would try to give is uh, first of all, you know, uh, learn, okay? learn a lot, right? You enter the industry, be inquisitive, start to learn, start to understand, but don't, you know, uh, stop asking questions. Try to change things, you know. Try to see how from a different perspective, you know. Lots of times you'll have comments from young people, and you go back and you try to say, "Wow, that was a very, very strong kind of comment." So, you know, I would say. Uh, be be inquisitive, learn, but be dedicated also, and you know take criticism because sometimes you you're not always uh, number one in the first day, right? So so be be humble, take criticism, but learn and then you know share your thoughts. So I would say those are the steps that I would uh, encourage, and you know keep a positive attitude. At the end of the day, don't uh, you know? I think that a lot. A lot of uh, you know success comes from being positive, by positive energy, bringing positive uh, kind of. So even if today is uh, is a tough day, and many of us have it in our day to day life, mm. tomorrow will be a better day. And I think that's uh, what you know. You have to keep the optimism side of it also. Personally, I'm an optimistic person, mm. so I can. It's <laughs> <laughs> good advice. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Ruben. It's been really great to have you. Um, fantastic advice and great insights. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jake. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.